everybody and welcome to this week's edition of This Woman Can. And as I said, I want to bring you thoughts and news and guidance from experts in certain areas when it comes to women of colour, mid-career women of colour and their careers. Now, I read a report recently by the National Centre for Education Statistics that black women have been obtaining degrees at a consistently higher level for the last eight years and counting. And the information collected about higher education amongst African-Americans between 2009-2010 showed that black women accounted for 68% of associate degrees, 68% of bachelor's degrees, and 71% of master's degrees, and 65% of doctorate degrees during that time frame. And whilst these numbers pertain to the U.S., chances are that similar statistics will emerge for other countries when it comes to black women and education. Black women, in my experience, are the most educated, qualified women working on the premise that they have to work twice as hard to be recognised at work or how I was raised, the need to be 10 times better than our Caucasian counterparts. Yet when it comes to changing careers, one of the first thoughts that women have is that they need further qualifications, which quite often comes with a considerable financial commitment um, and maybe on top of the debt already accrued for their current education. Now, my guest today is no stranger to student debt. Brianna Bree Franklin is founder, president and CEO of the Prosperity Project. She is a businesswoman, philanthropist and student debt expert thought and thought leader with a passion for socioeconomic and holistic empowerment of black girls and women. Having taken on a financial burden that eventually ballooned to nearly $120,000 in student debt through her undergraduate studies at Dartmouth College, Bree developed an acute appreciation for the challenges many student debt holders experience, including diminished ability to establish financial independence, the opportunity to take advantage of personal freedoms, such as starting a family, buying a home, launching a business, as well as creditworthiness. In recognition of the extent to which other Black women in particular experience adversity at the hands of the 1.7 trillion US dollars student debt, crisis, as well as lack of financial literacy, she formed the Prosperity Project as a solution for eradicating these success- systemic barriers. Bree, welcome to This Woman Can. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. And thank you for making time for this conversation. No, it's a really important one to have. And as I said, one of the biggest reasons I always find that women tell me the challenge they have about change careers is, or is normally some sort of financial aspect. But tell us more, Brie, about the Prosperity Project and the work you do. Yeah, so our organization is a nonprofit and our focus is Uh, you've alluded to is helping college-educated Black women with outsized student debt, which we define to be $40,000 U.S. dollars or greater, um, to give them, you know, tools to improve their socioeconomic plight. And we have a program that we've launched called the 35 to Free Initiative, which gets its name from the two core statistics at the heart of our work, which are are $35 billion in student debt that Black women hold under that $1.7 trillion umbrella. Right. a 35% financial literacy rate, which is uh, the worst of any demographic. So we are very, um, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed at, you know, being able to resolve this crisis. Like also, as you've explained, I've 
lived it firsthand. And so that is really what channeled like a deeper interest into solving this problem for the masses and not just, you know, how do I clear this, this bar for my own sake, but what can I do to um, make things better systemically and help other mm-hmm. black women who may not stand the same chance, may not have the same uh, levels of, you know, community and network and education yeah. and resources that I've had to be able to lean on to figure this problem out. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Now, student debt is normally associated with millennials. But as you know, my target audience is that black woman over 40, mid-career, probably have accrued some debt. Um, And as I said, looking to change careers and stuff like that. How much does this, um, does the student debt impact women over 40? Oh, man. So, I mean, we've studied it in terms of the Um, financial capital available. So the statistics are that uh, Black women, you know, by decade, it's like their average lifetime net worth is between zero and $11,000 because Black women have an average of um, a debt to income ratio of, I think, 111% of their income is consumed by student debt. So (laughs) to make that very plain, that means that we quite literally owe more than we can afford. And um, yeah, just segmented by, you know, the decades, like by the, you know, in the twenties, black women have an average net worth of zero. Um, I believe that shoots up to like, gosh, I'd have to look back at it. Cause I've just seen it as like the zero to 11,000, yeah. like conglomerate. But um, I know that that 11,000 figure is for those who are of retirement age, like, you know, sixties or so. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a decade beyond then, like over 40, um, it's certainly not more than about like 8,500. Um, so it has like major ramifications because uh, white women and women of other races by that point have six figure net worths, right? They've been able yeah. to put money away for the nest egg, look at retirement, mm-hmm. um, step away from the, the daily nine to five grind, and they can just, um, you know, like live off the money that they've earned in those uh, years prior. So it's, yeah. um, it's very startling for sure at all ages. And why do we think, I mean, you know, we were talking about it and you're doing a great job at highlighting some of the challenges, but what do you think some of the biggest challenges women have when it comes to asking or seeking for support in this area, the financial literacy area, for for instance? Totally. I think um, part of it is there's this sense of shame, like, gosh, I should know this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm 25, I'm 35, 45. Um, I should know about Roth's and 401ks and uh, hedge funds and mutual funds and all those things. And I think because like we see our peers again of other races, you know, this was dinner table fodder. Um, A lot of people that we talked to who, you know, were white American, they're like, yeah, I really took for granted the fact that my dad worked like on Wall Street and was able Mm -hmm. to just bring that knowledge home directly and set me up for success. And I think that's really what it's what it comes down to is we are disproportionately being set up for failure. Um, And so people carry that as like a badge of shame and like, you know, I'm just so embarrassed that I don't know more that I can't explain this to my children. Um, And so just being able to like unpack that, um, it takes a lot of courage and it can just be really hard when you're being admonished and there's finger wagging going on and there's people saying, oh, get a grip. Like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. on you to learn this, take some accountability instead of saying, we're not going to shame you for your past. Like, you know, you're here now, you're eager to learn. Like, I'm happy to lend my resources. I'm happy to lend that knowledge that you're asking for and help you figure it out. Right, right. Great. And yeah, and as, and as you're sitting there, think, as, you, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not that, 
I know little bits and pieces. I've had I've had debt when I was much younger um, mm-hmm. as a single parent and stuff like that. And I've found my way out and the hard work, the hard way. But yeah. when it comes to things like maybe stocks and shares accruing wealth, I think I'm a little hazy on that or, or maybe even a little risk averse, should I say. You know, it's probably that's probably my probably my knowledge. So I think having some more knowledge about how we can, um, you know, div- div- um, divulge ourselves some debt and how we can accumulate more wealth is mm-hmm. definitely definitely a, a way to get a conversation that needs to be had. Absolutely. Yeah. Regardless of the age, I'm glad you're you're speaking out and saying like, don't just assume that everyone over like 35 is mastering <laughs> this because. In our community, like that's something that we, you know, for our upcoming conference um, that we plan in the spring, like deciding on the programming, um, a lot of our advisorship wanted us to actually axe the further along track. They were like, no, like we don't need to spread ourselves too thin and and try to boil the ocean. And I'm like, I hear that, but I think there's absolutely no harm in just opening that up because it doesn't even have to be contained by age. There can be you know, 20 year olds who are just curious and they just want to learn about wills and the things that come like traditionally at a later stage in life. And so I think, but also, you know, we've gotten a lot of interest from black women who are 40 and up 50 and up. And they're just like, this would appeal to me so much. And I just haven't seen it presented in a place and in a way that's, that's like catered to me. Like, you know, there's a lot of ageism, unfortunately, and it just tends to like discount um, that that whole demographic. And so I am just a, a personal advocate of still keeping it intact. And, you know, even if we don't have a, a full out program like we do yeah. for our 25 to 35 year old cohort, um, still just at least being inclusive of that community. So you mentioned your conference, which I hadn't touched on to, but I'm going to go into it now. So tell us a little bit more about the conference, what's coming up, when it is, what particularly the women of my demographic that I'm looking at can expect, mm-hmm. can expect. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So this is our second annual 35 to free conference. So it's, of course, akin to the program and it borrows the name and it's definitely an extension of that work. Um, We've formulated it as a tool to, of course, bring in uh, sponsorship funds to help us, you know, get the program off the ground and operate, but also um, a way to recruit those who would like to learn more about our 35 to free initiative, potentially apply um, when the application reopens and also just people who are supporters and feel like they are, um, you know, among this community of burgeoning black women, next gen leaders that are looking to turn the tide on the financial um, literacy rates and also just status, you know, of our community, both here in the U.S. and internationally. Um, Like last year, we had people from nine different countries, I believe, register, which is really exciting. Um, So it's uh, open to all for sure. But of course, the focus is on you know, meeting black women's unique needs and vantage points. So our programming is chock full with uh, beautiful and talented black women speakers. We have uh, Christine Simmons, actually, who is the COO of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, um, which does the Oscars. She just recently agreed to be our opening keynote, which is exciting. Um, and then we have a few other folks in the works. So we're just waiting on those hard yeses before we publicize. But Um, It's supposed to be a day full of panels and workshops. So it's interactive. We don't believe in just talking at our audience all day long. We want to make it engaging and give them things that are actually valuable and that they can apply in real time and then take home and and use uh, to grow their skills. 
And um, we also have, you know, a fun Jeopardy game that we'll play later on in the day. So it's um, it's a really exciting event and it's 100 percent virtual. So while we are unfortunately (laughs) not able to come together in person and have like the full spark of a um, an in-person gathering, we will still, you know, do our best to make it lively and fun and all the things, um, you know, that we can do to to honor the virtual format. Excellent. And when is it? Yes, Thursday, May 19th. Uh, from 8 a.m. Pacific time, which is 11 Eastern time, uh, to 2 p.m. slash 5 p.m. Eastern time. (laughs) Yeah, just try and get those time zones worked out. And how can women find out more about it? Yeah, so um, our website is, um, we actually have to put it up there. Thank you for the reminder. Like we have the (laughs) event page um, on Eventbrite for registration, so we'll link that there. But Uh, There's a page on our website uh, that will be posted very, very shortly. Uh, The Prosperity Project, and that's prosperity with an A, Mm -hmm. dot org. Um, So it's P-R-O-S-P-A-R-I-T-Y. And we, yeah, we have the uh, registration link open. So right now tickets are on sale. Um, They are $20 a piece and then two for 20 or two for 35. Um, And then that's the early birds. So then, uh, Come March 22nd, we'll go into regular admission uh, all the way through the end of April and then last call uh, come May. So definitely snap them up while they are the cheapest. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know what, so just thinking out loud, um, it's a great idea just to get, you know, to take advantage of the discount and get a, get a few women together. You know, to, you yeah. know, to, to, you know, to join, ha, you know, have the conversation and join in, join in, join in on the event. Now, before I let you go, um, I've got different order of my questions. So I had a couple more questions for you. Yeah. And so, you know, what advice, you know, I'm speaking particularly for the, for my, for my code, for my target audience. What advice can you share with women who maybe want to change career direction, but feel, but feel impeded by student, student loan debt? Mm. Yeah. So trust and believe, uh, been there and I am speaking 1000% from a place of, you know, knowledge and expertise here. Um, but I also want to acknowledge that I know that like things are rarely one size fits all solutions. So I can really speak from my vantage point, but, um, what worked for me was just sitting down and accepting my situation because, um, you know, I was about 23 when I found out exactly how much debt I had. That was a a year after graduating. And that's when I uh, took stock and saw that it was that $116,000 figure. And immediately I just was like, no way. Like, there's just, I don't know what to tell these, these loan collectors. Like, you know, they made a mistake in giving me all this money because (laughs) there's no way in heck I'm going to be able to pay them back uh, before I, you know, turn 70. There's just like, we're at an impasse here. Right. And so that attitude carried on with me, um, for a couple months. And then it actually came to a head the following year when I had just retreated completely. And Mm. I was just like, there's no way I can afford these monthly payments of $750. And, you know, I'm getting no help. Right. Um, because my parents had co-signed, but they took the attitude of like, you know, we helped you get the money to complete school, but it's on you to take responsibility and pay it off. So I just felt like, well, you know, oh, well. And so I actually let the, uh, the debt go too long past due. It went more than two months. So it not only sank my credit personally by about 150 points, but it also dinged my dad's. And he had been warning me um, very vocally for the longest. He was like, you know, my Ingrid, my stepmom, he's like, 
she, she and I are trying to refinance our house. So we have to have pristine credit. Yeah, yeah. Um, we cannot afford literally for this to come up as a red mark on a, um, my report. And so, yeah, I ended up letting the, um, the worst case scenario actually materialize. And he wrote me a very colorfully worded email to express his disappointments. And that day I literally started making phone calls to, um, uh, gosh, what was it? Orange theory and Athleta, because I had also been like a struggling entrepreneur the first time with a venture that was just not working out. And I was just in denial. I was like, I don't want to have to abandon this just to work, you know, wherever, just to pay off these loans, but that's what it came down to. So Mm -hmm. I had to like swallow pride. I had to, um, come to grips with the situation and accept it and stop running. And so I picked up two part-time jobs at Athleta and Orange Theory Fitness. And I, you know, it was money. It was able yeah. to start paying off some of those smaller bills. And then I also had done the uh, debt snowball method. So that was a huge help and just making me feel like I was back in control because it's like, I saw the numbers, I saw the interest rates, I saw the mm-hmm. terms, like it was all organized and just way easier to process. So um, I mean, I had consumer debt and, and other, so many other debts beyond yeah. student debt. So yeah. just being able to knock out some of those early, really high interest, you know, credit cards, my phone yeah. that I spread out over two years, right? It was like, they talk about the um, the adrenaline of just those quick wins. It was like, mm-hmm. or the endorphins rather. It's like, oh my gosh, like I can do it. I can get these things uh, from around my neck. So just continuing with that momentum, like I, I have... Um, given my debt snowball, actually many upgrades over like these last uh, two and a half years since I started using it and just getting even more detailed with uh, the types of the loans, like federal versus private, um, you know, any conditions about certain programs that I was in that may be temporary and just really, um, you know, going back to feeling like I'm driving the wheel again and I'm not being driven by this debt, but like I have the power to to get rid of it. So I've just been like, working very steadily, uh, but also strategically, because I know that people often get tired of hearing just work hard and it'll all fall into place. Because I think that's just such a a gross oversimplification. It's like, yes, there's a lot of hard work, but it's also like uh, what I've called taking glass steps and taking calculated risks to, Mm -hmm. you know, with the intents of, um, with the intention of increasing my earning potential. So it's like, moving to California where the minimum wage was twice what it was back in Georgia. That helped right. um, living rent free with a family friend, which was also helpful. Um, and then of course, once I started prosperity and like as the leader being able to earn compensation, wherever we could, we could spot it. Like that's also been really um, transformational. And it's also like the bonus of doing something that I love and finding, yeah. finding my fit with a career path. So um, again, acknowledging that I know it's it's going to be a different story in every situation, yeah. but yeah. just to boil it down to the nuts and bolts, um, find a tool that'll be helpful for like just yeah. putting yourself in the driver's seat and taking control and then um, do your best to you know take calculated risks and um, raise your rate, as I like to say, your rate of earning. Mm. And the thing I want to add to that is literally don't hide from it because it's not going anywhere. It mm-hmm. really won't go away. Burying your head, burying your head in the sand, thinking it'll go away, um, that doesn't that doesn't work. So I think facing it head on is definitely um, a great piece of advice. So coming down to our last couple of questions, Bree, um, are there any success stories you can share um, from you know from women being as part of the Prosperity Project? 
Yeah. So uh, we are planning to launch the first cohort in April, actually. So we um, are still on the front end of the success stories, but just even in the time that these prosperettes who have been so patient um, have been in the pipeline waiting, um, you know, we've just been in constant conversation with them and just asking like, what do you want to get out of this? And yeah. how are yeah. you feeling right now? And, you know, just in seeing all that we're, we're trying to work on to help get you what you need, like, how does that land with you? And overall, it's been very positive. Like, you know, they're incredibly gracious and they're just like the fact that you're, you know, you all are even doing something to help people like us is mm. um, really outstanding because unfortunately, like we saw that there were just so many like debt relief programs that yeah. seemed like, you know, you had a higher chance of winning the lottery than to qualify for. It was like all these um, loopholes and red tape yeah. and oh, you have to work in this industry for 10 years before you would qualify. And um, so, yeah, we just are, I guess, measuring success preemptively by uh, the conversations that we're in with them and just seeing that they even feel empowered knowing that Excellent. this is what is in store and just seeing like all these major players that we're going to be pairing them with as their financial coaches, like someone who's actually there to listen to them mm -hmm. and um, guide them in a very personalized and intimate way. And it's not just generic one size fits all, you know, read a book kind of advice. Um, and then also the fact that we're approaching it from a career development standpoint, because we recognize that so many of them are pigeonholed into both low wage and actually high wage work. But it's like, I'm a firm believer in the correlation between loving what you do and fulfillment yeah. and also, you know, making more money as a result, um, if that's what you want for yourself. And so um, just being able to remove that gridlock and then it's like, congratulations, like you now have the, the decision power and you're not beholden to your student debt as a factor for where to live, how long to live there, where to work, um, all these different things. So yeah, I would say just um, on the front end of everything, success is seemingly measured by, you know, just the, the degree of like hope and excitement and just the prospect still having faith in our program and in our ability to execute it. Excellent. Thank you for that. And just so we talk, just so we finish off, just share again the details of the conference, uh, dates, when and where they, how they can get hold of tickets. Yes. So Thursday, May 19th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's Pacific time. Um, so that's 11 to 5 Eastern. No. Um, again, it's completely virtual. So anyone anywhere in the world is welcome to join. Um, tickets are currently on sale for the early bird round uh, through March 22nd. And those are $20 for a single ticket, two for 35. So definitely encourage you know folks to look out and try to bring a friend if possible. Uh, regular admission starts the 23rd and is going to be, oh gosh, uh, it's on our Eventbrite page. That's I'm fun. like totally out of it with the numbers. Um, but yeah, just as, as we near the dates, um, we'll have more details about those other tiers. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, uh, I think I mentioned it's virtual already. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping to get at least 500 attendees in the door. Um, last year we had 90. So I think for our first round, that was definitely passable, but we, we definitely, you know, don't believe in getting complacent and want to reach even more people. Right. Cause it's like, we measure this by the success of the community yeah. and just the volume of people who take away from it. Um, but we have some great speakers lined up. Again, Christine Simmons, COO of the Academy, um, which does the Oscars and all those really cool Hollywood things. 
So Janice is also going to be leading one of our workshops and further along called Navigating and Disrupting Ageism in the Workplace. So definitely stick, swing by if you can to check out her session. Uh, we'll also have before that a panel called Entrepreneurship One-on-One. So lots of talent uh, going to be packed into the further along track for sure. Yes. Um, with a couple more um, great names in store that we will be announcing in the next few days. And uh, yeah, we're on social media to promote it as well. We're at the Prosperity Project. Uh, again, that's with an A on Instagram, Prosperity Proj on Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook and LinkedIn presence as well. And then our website, of course, is theprosperityproject.org. So ticket information will be linked on our website. And then there's also a standalone event, right? Registration page. Excellent. And I'll be sure to make sure I take all those links yeah. and put them in the show notes. And for those of you listening and thinking, well, you know, is this for me? If you're a woman over 40 um, and looking at looking at your student debt or looking just want to get more financial literacy, this is definitely something for you because they have a special tract um, targeted, targeted. You gave a special name, Brianna. Remind what that was. Further along. Further along, the further along track, which is definitely targeted at, targeted at you. Mm-hmm. So, Brianna, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing that knowledge. I think everything we can do to help a woman, as you said, feel successful and happy in what they're doing in their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're living a lot longer. And so we need to make sure we're happy in what we're doing. So all the work you're doing is really, really welcome. Thank you so much again for your time today. Oh, thank you again for featuring me and, you know, being willing to amplify this work and share it with your community. It means so much. Thank you. So I am really looking forward to being part of the Prosperity Project um, conference coming up in May. And, you know, we discussed, we could discuss money and finances. And quite often what I found, however, that moving ahead, not moving ahead in our careers, is, obvious, is, obvious, is sometimes a procrastination top tactic because at the back of our minds, we're intimidated by the real reason as to why we're fearful of making that change. Um, and in my experience, money, when I've worked with women I've worked with, is offer the lesser reason, is offer a lesser reason than we give it credit. But the truth is, not apart from the fact that, you know, we don't enjoy what we're doing, there's a cost, there's an actual cost of staying in a job that's unfulfilling. And it's much higher than most women actually realize. But you don't have to stay. You don't have to stay in that role. You don't have to think you have to be um, beholden to to that particular career because you've invested so much money into it, because you feel you can't get away because of golden handcuffs. Now, I run a monthly program, the Change Your Career Without the Financial Fear program, a free monthly five day program that really takes you through looking at or thinking about how you can redefine your personal professional value and the fact that you can invest in yourself now to make the best possible decisions for your future sooner rather than later. The program, as I said, it takes place every month. All you need to do is visit my website, JanisSutherland.com, for more details to register, get on the wait list for the next time it comes round, and you'll get the opportunity just to challenge some of those career assumptions when it comes to um, when it comes to you and your money. So we look at reaffirming what your true worth is, and that is determined by more than just money, and break free from that fear that's keeping you, that's keeping you stuck, 
and you'll get guidance and motivation to help you along with your career change. And it's all run by me, me. So feel free to head along to my website, JanniSutherland.com for more details and get on the wait list. And as always, as I always say to you, remember, if I can, you can, this woman can. Take care until next time.